I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Welcome to Footy Prime Interview. Shaman here with Craig Forrest. Hey, Craig. It's been like, uh, what, 12 hours since last we spoke? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't yeah. listened to it already, give our uh, weekend recap podcast uh, a listen after this one. Um, today, um, a friend of the show, I think it's fair to say, uh, ex-Canadian international, English football veteran, Indian football veteran. He had a cup of tea in Spain. And now he's back home where it all began, managing at Woodstock FC. It's Ian Hume. Hume, welcome to Footy Prime, mate. Cheers for having me, lads. It's uh, going to be a good one. Yeah, well, we'll find out about that. That, that Time will tell whether it's a good one or not. But Hume, let me start here. Um, it seems like the last two years, in a weird way, have just flown by because of this pandemic, right? So it seems to me, when I think of you, that you're still recently retired. Um, like, how's the transition been so far? Still not official. <laughs> um, to be honest, it's been frustrating. Um, the hardest thing in the world, and Craig will tell you that, finishing playing when you're used to routines for so long, it's hard to adapt. And even though trying to do ventures and trying to like start a business and coaching and still trying to play, it's still not the same. It's not my routines of getting up every morning, going to training seeing the lads in the change room, going home, whatever. It's it's not the same. And it, it easily the toughest thing I've ever had to do in my life is, is transition away from playing. But the pandemic has definitely not helped. So it's uh, been a tough couple of years. Um, moved back to Canada, what, just just under 18 months ago. And it's, it's been a bit of a nightmare ever since. So uh, <laughs> still, try, still trying to make ends meet, still trying to make things work. Um, but... I guess it's the same for a lot of people, so I can't grumble that much. Yeah, that, that, that's a really interesting point, Yumi, about you know the transitioning from playing to uh, you know normal normal life. Uh, however, um, you are still involved in football, and you want to keep involved. Uh, like you say, you still want to potentially play. I don't know if there's anything in the pipeline for that for CPL potentially, or you know, coaching. Um, does that interest you at the same level? Do you think you can get that same? Th- fix of excitement and environment of the football uh, that you that you so uh, so much love during your career can you still get that by coaching um well originally i'd, I'd wanted to come over and play 
Like that was my, my main aim was finish my career. I obviously started everything here. It would have been, it would have been written in the stars to come over here, play one last one song season or two, depending on how I was feeling, but I never materialized. Still waiting mm-hmm. on phone calls from a few people. Um, but uh, <laughs> transitioning into playing, it's, I'm, I'm, I listen, I love it. It's not the same. I love it though. Um, I love adding my methods and my ideas and my attitude towards the game. I love adding that to, to the team that I'm coaching and the players that I'm coaching individually. And like, like Sham said, taking over Woodstock soccer club, the, the club was, uh, listen, we're, we're by no means semi-professional. We're by no means professional. We're, we're a club that is always and always has been in the shadow of London clubs. Um, because they've like over the last 10 years, 12 years, they've had two clubs here called Marconi and Jagaloni and eight, well, three clubs, AEK, but they, uh, they're defunct now. They've been competing for for Ontario Cups and national championships every year. So taking over Woodstock, who's a who's notoriously been a, a yo-yo club up and down, and me and my brother have taken over, and we've we've drummed into them just the methodology and the ideas of how the game should be played, regardless what level you're at, and the attitude that should be brought into it. And we finished last season like the highest we've ever finished. We finished in second place, lost the last game of the season against Jagalonia, who's who's one of the top teams in Canada. Uh, Caledon knocked us out of the Ontario Cup, who's one of the top teams in Canada. Um, and we we set records left, right, and center for the club and and across the league, to be honest. So we're we're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Um, just it's not the same, like you said. It's not, and it never will be the same. Um, whether or not it meets the same standard of the love that I showed for it and the the sort of time I put into it. I'm obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna realize that one pretty quickly. But playing football, there's no there's no second to that, or there's no mm-hmm. there's no even to that. So trying to find a second that's not too far away, it's gonna be tough. But like I said, coaching, I've got to play. I've got to stay in the game. So doing my my stuff with TV and doing podcasts here, there, and everywhere, it keeps me relevant to an extent. And it keeps mm-hmm. me involved in the game, but replacing playing, you know, Craig, it's not easy, man. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm still not officially retired, although I'm the most unofficially or the most official unofficial retiree ever. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think I'm retired yet either. I'm yeah. sure I'm still up to that. No, you're retired. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's it. If, I, if you don't say it, there's always a chance, isn't there? <laughs> right? Hey, hear me. And you know, if if I work, re- if we work really hard, we might get on like sixth or seventh alternate for the World Cup team. Hey, hey, li- no, no, listen, listen, fellas. If there's a CPL team that wants a bit of a marketing coup, right? Get their name out there, right? Sign up Craig and, and Humey to a contract, <laughs> right? You will make the press. You'll get no, your you'll name make out people there. Laugh. It, it might be a terrible idea. <laughs> but hey, Humi's a good idea. I, I think he can still play. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's still young enough. He can still play. But I mean, yeah, on, on that note, Humi, why, why why do you think you weren't getting the phone calls? I mean, I understand CPL is a, a development league. I get that, right? But I mean, you you come with a bit of you know marketability. You, you've played for, for two decades at a high level. The, the really, I mean, I'm sure you could do a job in the CPL. Uh, I I definitely thought that, um, especially a couple of years ago. Um, especially, well, the first year of the CPL, um, I'd made myself available. Um, spoke to a couple of people. Um, public knowledge, I'd, I'd spoken to Hardy. Things were close to being sorted with Halifax, and last minute he gave me a call. But 
it was just nice to have a call. Um, spoke to Jimmy a couple of times. Um, I thought things possibly could have moved there being local. Um, unfortunately, Jimmy's out of a job now, um, which I think is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. again, things never materialized. He never he never got back to me after the last time we spoke. Um, yeah. Same thing with a couple other teams. Um, initiated conversation and and they never followed through with it. So don't know what else it took for a 35-year-old 600-odd international or professional games and 40-plus internationals to get into the CPL, but um, it's nice to see that they're bringing in people from a from a scouting system that is just thrown up in the air and here, take what you can get. Um, but hey, it is what it is, and I'm, I'm enjoying being a part of it. I'm enjoying this side of it now. It's not the same, but I'm not going to go and beg people for a job. I'm, regardless, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not arrogant about it, but with what I'd done in the game, um, I thought I definitely could have benefited the league. Not, not saying I'd have come out and won golden boots and player of the years and all that, but hmm. for the development of young players, the amount of young players in this league right now, like one name I'll throw out there who I, who I would absolutely love to work with or to have worked with is young Lowell Wright at, at York. The kid's got everything, but you can see he needs showed a little bit. And I've, I've contacted him on social media just to let him know that like he's being recognized, you know what I mean? And especially from somebody like myself, hopefully he takes that the right way. <clears throat> but they're the types of players I'd love to have had a hand in helping just to show them, just if I can add something to their games. And I... Like you had it, you have it with Nick Ledgerwood at Calvary. You had it with Marcel De Jong in in Pacific, and Dave Edgar and uh, Kyle Becker at Forge. And you can see the the benefit that these teams are getting from having leaders and players mm-hmm. out there who've been there. And you can see the ones who haven't, and you can see the teams who haven't had those types of players in there. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. they're 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 really plateaued across the the three the three years and not really progressed. And, is it a uh, is it a case, Yumi? Too. I mean, um, potentially. I think it is. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong. You're a bit of a threat to people too. Uh, not so much as a player because uh, your playing days are clearly coming to their, their end. I mean, it's just inevitable because of your age. But you know, from a staffing coaching point of view, you coming in potentially are seen as a threat. I think to some people, um, and that's unfortunate. Unfortunately, these coaches need to have a little bit more about them and and be proud of themselves and the job they're doing, and not be worried about somebody else taking their job. Because you, as a player, when you were playing, did you every time a player came into the national team, did you think, "Oh, he's going to take my spot"? No, this is mine. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you want it, you come and earn it. But you're not going to walk in and take it. And that was yeah. me through my career. Is <clears throat> if I sign for a club like if I'm playing at the end of the day, it's my spot to lose. If I'm, if I'm not doing my job, then it's up for grabs regardless who comes in. Mm -hmm. So if a, if a coach was that insecure and that was a reason for not bringing me in, Mm -hmm. that's that's not a coach I wanted to play for anyway. Right. I mean, another thing too, is that when you mentioned about Jimmy getting, uh, looking for a job and getting fired, uh, I think that the coaches that are, are in place should have a certain amount of security because at the end of the day, it's been a tough few years since the, the inaugural year with pandemic. And at the end of the day, we are developing 
everybody from players, referees, and coaches. Mm-hmm. And they should be giving a bit of a leash to be able to develop themselves. And with the ever-changing conveyor belt of, you know, squad players every single year, it's a really difficult lead to be successful in. And uh, I think they, they, they deserve the support uh, from, uh, from their ownership and, and the league. Is that an issue, actually, guys? It's interesting you mentioned that, Hume. Um Moving to England, you know, at a pretty young age, Craig did the same thing. Being away from, from Canadian soccer for a long time, do you in some ways alienate yourself from the Canadian soccer machine? So when you do come back finally, there is that element of distrust from the guys that have been here for the last 20 years and have done it and put the time in. Now they're saying, well, all oh, these, these Europeans coming over now and they want my... Is that a big issue, do you think, within the Canadian game? I mean, to me, it's very disingenuous, but is that an issue? Um, I think myself, like, speaking on my behalf, I know Craig obviously played at the highest level and Craig played in a very successful Canadian team, so he is more of a household name in Canada myself and I'm I'm not be knocking myself back is I could walk down the street and nobody will know who the hell I am. Like that's just the but the thing is I moved to make a career for myself. I had no avenues. So regardless, I I, I always played for the national team. I always came back every year. I go out to my local team in Brampton and all that when I was younger. But I'm still a relatively unknown. Like little, little, little tiny things like Brampton Soccer Club. I played 10 years for them. And very few times do I ever get recognized on social media, even when I was playing. Now, all of a sudden, every, okay, it's a massive, massive hotbed for Canadian soccer right now and for the national team. But every single player who played a year for Brampton Soccer Club is now an alumni. And they get recognized as an alumni. And I came through the same system in Brampton with Atiba Hutchinson, and we tore everyone a new one across Canada for years. Mm-hmm. Like we were two of the best youth players that come out of Canada, and I very seldom get recognized. Same with mm-hmm. Tiba, unfortunately, unfortunately, and very sadly, <laughs> Tiba's the exact same, and Tiba's the best player we've ever produced. Mm-hmm. So. Now, because you're in the public eye, because you're playing for TFC, because you're playing CPL, all of a sudden you're irrelevant. And, and no hit on the CPL, it's not European football. It's a, it's a baby. And you're not playing, paying players as professional soccer players. So, mm-hmm. But you're, because you're recognized as professional soccer players and you're playing in front of your home crowd, all of a sudden you're like the next big thing. And I'm not saying some of them won't be, but some of them definitely won't be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those. And like, I think the the way in, like when I moved away, there was no social media, to show my age. But when I moved away, there was no social media. So nobody could recognize who I was and what I was doing. And now all of a sudden, somebody's playing fourth division in Finland or fourth division in Taiwan. They score a goal and it's all over social media. So everyone knows mm-hmm. who Joe Blow is, who plays for, for this team. But going over 100 goals you very seldom seen it unless it showed up on on Sky Sports or on if TSN decided at one point they wanted to show a, a world the FA Cup goal like that would show mm-hmm. up every so often but we we didn't have the avenues and we didn't have the, the structure around us as far as social media and everything goes to mm-hmm. to make ourselves more relevant in the public eye and nowadays doesn't matter what you're doing but if you're you're doing something and you're successful you're everyone knows who you are 
I think one of the uh, big things, too, uh, that I find that Canada needs to be better with is that to use the experience of the very few that have actually had the experience that you have had over in a football environment around the world and the benefits that that could bring to Canadian soccer. We're missing out on that somehow. We need to we need to harness that. Uh, I think we see a lot of our former players being very successful in the United States. Pat Onstad, uh, Mark Watson, Frank Yallop um, goes on and on uh, that have made that move. And in the States, they seem to be able to continue their careers as coaches, general managers, goalkeeper coaches, whatever. But in Canada, we seem to stall. And the former players, um, a lot of them, disgruntled uh, somewhat about, you know, they're involved with the Canadian team, their passion for it, their commitment to it, and then they don't get that back when they retire. And that is very frustrating. And I think we need to do better as a nation about that. For sure. and like, But the thing is, the names you just named, if you look at their careers, they played in the U.S. They played in Canada. So like you looking at the Canadian setup, so Jimmy was working with Toronto for a while, Chris Posniak, uh, Terry Dunfield, Jason Bent for a while. They, they all came through TFC. You got Patrice at Montreal. You had Jason DeTulio at Montreal. So they, they look after their own, but if you're not their own, as far as coming through their system, they won't. Same as Pat. Pat's a legend in the U.S. Frankie's a legend in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Watty's a legend in the U.S. So these guys, they've looked after them because they've seen what they did on the field and the passion they showed for the game and the people around the game and the club and the area that they were living. So they, they were not so much, well, yeah, reward it with, yeah. what, you know what, we want somebody like you involved. But I've been yeah. away for 21 years. So I am a nobody. And well, like this, I, I like tell you what, it, 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 it might surprise you a little bit, but I can walk around Toronto and nobody recognizes me either. But uh, it all depends on where you are in yeah. Toronto or who or who you're in the car with if taxi drivers they they will recognize you in the sort of minority areas the Italian Portuguese areas they will but in Forest Hill or Rosedale they they will not yeah. <laughs> at all so it all depends okay. but it, 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 yeah try Woodstock <laughs> yeah but I sometimes think to myself uh, f- like when Frankie Allop for instance made the move to uh, Tampa Bay Mutiny the former Tampa Bay mutiny at that time, I, I wasn't sure he was making the right move. I thought that he still had a few years in the, in the Premier league, but on the other hand, he was absolutely correct that it could give him a couple of years to establish himself in the United States. And he saw opportunities there for jobs. And well, he was bang on there because he got in with Thomas Rongan, uh, who was his coach at the mutiny and then on to Washington and then on to the, you know, LA galaxy and San Jose and, and whatnot. So, um, massively beneficial actually to go there and like you say they get looked after in the united states because they see what they've done and they see that there's a value to them hear me one place where you are you are probably quite well known within football circles is india right i mean you're one of the all-time top scorers in the indian super league i think it's sixth and and there's been some so yeah around there but this is some big names people I, i couldn't believe this i remember speaking to you one soccer about this and you're dropping these names and saying yeah i was coached by david james like what then i'm doing some research and players like you know alex del piero um freddie lundberg robert perez david roberto carlos played mm-hmm. at india at some point right they had some big names out there 
and, and you had a pretty good career there as well. I mean, what is Indian football culture like? They're nuts. They love it. Um, I was very fortunate. The two of the three teams I played for are in Kerala Blasters and uh, Atletico de Calcutta. They're no longer they're defunct or they they merged with uh, uh, ATK Mohanbagan. So Mohanbagan is one of one of the oldest soccer clubs in the world. Um, them in East Bengal, they have a Calcutta rivalry, which is I think it's ranked as the second biggest football rivalry in the world behind uh, Brazil. <clears throat> but the two, those two teams, their their fan base is incredible. They just, they absolutely adore football, and to play for them, I didn't know what I was getting into. So to go over there and the first first. Uh, Preseason game we had thirty five degree heat, twelve o'clock in the afternoon, astroturf, and it wasn't announced. It was just a random game, just thrown out there. And by halftime, there was over a thousand people there, hanging off the side of a half built building, and like just there to watch. And then every single game from then was just carnage. Like every game, we were getting fifty five, sixty thousand. When we played the semi final, we had. By law, fifty nine thousand, but they're easily eighty thousand there. <laughs> wow, easily, and it all in yellow, and like they're they're just insane about football in that in that region of, of India. And when you go over to the the east coast in Calcutta, it's the same. It's 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 just carnage. Like they they just love it. And I think the highest attendance we had was the semifinals of the second season. We played against another team, Chennai. Who was uh, managed by Matarati, and um, they had John Onorisa playing, and they had uh, the year before they had Alessandro Nesta playing and Sylvester, and we had, I think it was something like eighty four thousand, eighty five, like legally, and <laughs> that that stadium has held one hundred and twenty thousand people before. Jeez. Like it's it's just it's just insane, and people don't realize, and you think. India, you think cricket, and it is the biggest name. It is the biggest sport, and the biggest names in sport are Indian cricketers. But when it comes to to football in certain areas, like you go down the, the West Coast in Kerala and Goa, they're absolutely nuts about it. You go across more to the East Coast, and they have Jamshedpur and uh, Calcutta and Northeast, so you go right up to, to like the, the Nepalese borders and all that, and they're just nuts, and they're constantly producing players for the national teams and every year it seems that they're pumping more and more out and you're wondering where the hell they come from like I was there for five years and every year there was another an extra 20 players and you're thinking hey, well he wasn't here last year like what the, where, where the hell did he come from <laughs> but um now it's it's there's areas that aren't well supported um but there's areas that are are absolutely insane about it and to be involved with it for five years was was a lot of fun and parts of my career that I look back at. And I, I genuinely think with my experience and how I progressed, and I helped the league progress from day one. And I think I ended up playing some of the best football in my career. And I know it's not the same level as playing in the championship and not in England, but I think with my, 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 my knowledge of the game as I grew up and the, the more I learned about myself and where I could progress and improve, Mm-hmm. Out there, it allowed me to do it, and I just buzzed off it. To be honest, I just every game I went into, and like I was the fr- I think that was the biggest frustration for me was 
getting dropped out of the national team because I was playing in India. Gives a crap. I was playing lights out for four years until I, until I, until I snapped my ACL, I was playing lights out. Like I was some of the best football and some of the most confident football I played in my career. And I never got a sniff. Like not even a phone call to say, Oh, listen, you're not involved anymore. Just got pushed to the side and, well, we've got another guy who's playing reserve team football in, in the U.S. and the USL or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think he's behaved. Like, at least talk to me and give me a bit of, a little bit of respect for what I've, I've done for the game. Like, yeah. I'm not 15 years old till I was, till I was 31. Like, at least give me some sort of respect. But, I guess, you know, a lot of that comes down to just the, you know, how young that Indian league was when you were there. Right. Um, and the, the lack of knowledge that people are like didn't even know they had a league or they're, you know, and how popular is it and how good is it? And, but they brought over some big name and big investments into that league. And, and uh, actually one of my teammates, David James was your coach. How was he as a coach? Cause a, as a player, he was a bit of a nutcase. <laughs> well, very similar. Um, yeah. <laughs> listen, JMO, JMO was JMO. He knew what you were getting as soon as he walked in the door. He's an odd character. Fair enough. He, he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He can't no. He'd never do any harm to you. But mm-hmm. again, I have some grumbles about the way our our partnership relationship finished. Um, but he, you knew what you were getting from him. He's going to come out. He, and no disrespect, Craig. He's a he's a goalkeeper who you would never imagine would be a a manager. You no. put him down as being a goalkeeper coach. You could see that. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd never put him down as being a manager. Um, but we he brought in the right people. And that's that's the thing. Like our first season, we were joint favorites to be the wooden spoon. And he brought in the right people. He brought in the right attitudes. And it was mainly a British Aussie contingent. So we brought in guys who you knew were going to be in the same, the same ilk. Like they were going to come in and they were going to work hard. They were going to demand things from people. And that got us to the finals and we should have won. Um, and that's the, that's the crazy thing. Like we, we concentrated on doing the right things, the right times and, and playing game the right way and, and showing people what it meant to pull on a shirt, regardless what team it was, you pull on a shirt and you fight for the guy next to you. And that was, that was something that Jamal got across to everybody. Um, Michael Chopra was on your team, right? Yeah. Well, right. he was, he was on the squad. Oh, <laughs> he, he came he, Listen, I'm I'm not one to normally hit at people, but he came in as the number one draft because it was a draft situation the first two years. So he was the uh, he was drafted number one. There was a big thing about him with his uh, Indian heritage, and they were trying to get him to go to the national team. And he had to sub- he had to give away his UK passport if he wanted to, and he had to live in India for X amount of years and whatever. And after that first season, just nothing ever materialized. He came in two, three stone overweight and got injured right away and then got back from injury and got injured again. And I, it, it was a tough one because there was a big thing wrapped around me and him being a partnership because we were first, he went first overall in the first round. I went first in the second round. And there was a big hoo-ha about, well, these two can light it up. And he ended up being out for, I think he was available for four games. Hmm. So hmm. It, it was kind of a came to nothing, but yeah, using my team, Stephen Pearson, who used to play for Derby County and Celtic and all that was there. Um, Jamie McAllister, 
Um, we had a bunch of Indians. We unearthed some great Indian players there. <laughs> and yeah, I just buzzed off it, to be honest. I, I, I just felt kind of free of any shackles about the the English league and the politics in the English league had on you. And it was, mm. it was just fun. Like Craig will tell you, just and yourself, Shams, playing football is, should be fun. It shouldn't be a job. And when it gets to becoming a job, like it was towards the end of my time in, in England, and I just needed something new. I needed to just get away and find something fresh to just relight my love for the game. And it did it right away within, within a couple of weeks, I was buzzing again. And like I said, that's what frustrated me the most about my national team time was I was, I was reborn. I was, I felt like a new player again and just got swept aside by the, that futsal coach. You mentioned about the Indian players and unearthing a couple of very good players. I mean, obviously the population is absolutely massive. I mean, I think Calcutta has about half the population in Canada itself in the urban areas is included uh, massive. But when do you see India actually becoming a, a competitor in the world stage where they're competing for, for qualifying for the world cups, do you see that in the, in the next 10 years? I'd love to say, yeah. Um, the problem they're having right now is I think they've got the third or second highest current player with international goals with Sunil Chetri. Mm. And the guy's, the guy's a phenom. He's a great guy. And the guy just scores goals, especially for India, just scores goals for fun. Um, but they don't have a replacement. So they're, they're, they're manufacturing these players and they've got some great talent in midfield and in the back and goalkeepers. They've got like five, four or five very good first team goalkeepers, but they don't have a new Sunil Tetri. So they're, they're, they're going to take a while. I think, I think they've got every opportunity and Igor Stimetri is in charge right now. And they've kind of plateaued in the way they, they were progressing. Like they popped into the top hundred for a bit. I think they may be just outside it again. Um, but it's always going to be tough because they're in that Asia group. So they've got South Korea, they've got Japan, they've got Australia, they've got Saudi, they've they've got these teams that they have to compete with, and like Bahrain and Oman and these these the Qatar these teams aren't bad, and it's just a tough one. And it's it's kind of like people looking at Canada twenty twenty five years ago when you were competing against your Jamaicas and Costa Ricas and Honduras, and everyone's like, oh well, I've got all these guys to compete with. It takes time and it takes investment. It takes infrastructure change. And they've been doing that for the last seven years. Well, probably a little bit longer. But I think they have a possibility of getting there. When? I I couldn't put a stamp on it. Mm -hmm. But if they continue to invest the money and invest the time into it, then there's every chance. But they're going to need, like we've had with Canada now, a generational change. We're going to need the next group to come through and be better than the last one. And I think that's it's going to be a tough one. Humi, we're out of time, um, but let's get you back on again real soon. I think you'd fit into our Wednesday tent podcasts really, really well. Um, I don't know if there's many people out there with, with such a broad range of knowledge from England to Canada to India. So uh, we'll get you on because we could talk for hours. Sure. About your story uh, alone. I, I just want to jump in and ask two quick questions and I just texted you, but because you started closing. <laughs> okay. So Ian, uh, if you had a chance to return to India, what would be the first meal you would eat? What is what, what is the hunger pains calling you back? It's 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 a crazy one because I'm not a massive 
pound of curries. Oh my god! No, listen, it's just I know. Hey, but there's I don't know I don't know the name of it, but there's in Kerala they they do a spicy beef, and it's it's like a it's it's like a mutton, but it's spicy as shit. Right. And in in Kerala, it's it's not uh, it's it's you're mainly because it's very Catholic in Kerala, so you have a lot of Catholic, you have a lot of Muslim. When you go up to Mumbai and all that, that's where the beef is. So awesome. um, in in Kerala, yeah, the the spicy beef they do, you do it, and they do a uh, Kerala rice. So it's like puffy, it's like uh, rice krispies, but it's rice and it's amazing. So you do that with the mutton, and you just roll it up. And the way they eat it, so you roll it up, and okay, you put a bit of dal or something on it. Some of them do, I don't. And then your your naan bread, roll it up, and they eat with their hand. So rip it up into little bits and eat with your hand and all that. And, I love. I must say, I love that. My mouth and ass were on fire for ages. So it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's beautiful, beautiful. To be honest, it's beautiful. I was going to say because the Indian food is so good in England. I was wondering if it would compared actually in India to what you get in England. But you, do, you probably don't even right know. Hey, yeah, I, I fully yeah. understand. I mean, it's incredible, but it takes some adjusting. If you know what I'm saying. So uh, if he's yeah, going well, for, that's for one a, the first thing. First thing we were told, chums, don't eat street meat. First thing yeah. they told as soon as we got there: don't drink tap yeah. water, don't don't eat street meat, because we don't do have like the a, constitution to do it. You do a three week vacation. Consider the first week a write off, <laughs> yeah. and then enjoy the, the final two weeks. I'd love <laughs> to go there, man, because I'm I'm a curry addict. I know who these guys are as well. So maybe we'll take uh, the, the podcast on the road one day. You can show us around. Uh, you know the hot spots in, in India. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be a be a tough one <laughs> <laughs> alright listen Hemi thanks so much mate really enjoyed this and yeah we'll get you on real soon because like I said your story alone is, is, is a real fascinating one we haven't even touched the uh, the injury which I'm sure you're so bored of talking about mm. but it is an incredible story um, yeah. and, and you know one that probably should have ended your career but I think it shows your character and tenacity that it didn't mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's just a, uh, do you have to uh, have a checkups uh, continually about that Hemi yeah. no I don't care anymore <laughs> if, if, if I get a headache, I get a headache. I'm used to them now. That's just <laughs> like a that's concussion the, from years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, which one? Like that's, <laughs> the, that's the problem. Like this whole pandemic, and they're saying, "Oh, if you've got if you've got a constant headache and you have cough and this and that," I'm like, I had a headache for 13 years. <laughs> Jesus. Like Jesus. Maybe you should get checked out again. <laughs> you mean, Jesus. Yeah, you should come with me and get checked out. Yeah, that'd be a good, you know, bring a camera. Craig and Hume get, get checked out. Maybe a, like a, a dark documentary, actually. But. Like, that's, like, it, it's crazy. Like, I talk to my players and I talk to guys and they're like, oh, well, I don't feel great and, oh, my leg's a bit sore and I've got a dead leg and I don't know if I can train. I'm like, I'll tell you honestly, I've not been fit for 20 years. I've not been 100% for 20 years. <laughs> I've, I've, I don't think I've done a training session. In 20 years, preseason or not, where I felt, you know, I feel fucking awesome today. <laughs> <laughs> the other amazing. side of professional sportsmanship, no, eh? Well, I tell seriously, you. seriously you, ask any, you ask any pro, if they tell you they're 100%, they're lying through their teeth. Yeah. But you're always hey, tight somewhere. Forget, forget pros. Just, I'm not a pro. I'm not even an athlete, and I'm always bloody in pain. So, hey, <laughs> he's just got to age. <laughs> listen, we we got to go, mate. But listen, let's get you on back on real, real soon. Really enjoyed that. Uh, that's Ian Hume. Um, let's make him famous because he should be famous in this country. He, he sacrificed a lot for his national team. 
playing over 40 times for his country. So uh, that was great. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. We are back on uh, Wednesday, I guess, or maybe Thursday morning. It'll be the, the week midweek edition, the 10th edition. Whether we're in the 10 or not, who knows? But we'll talk all things football, including Scotty Arfield's uh, international retirement. We'll talk about that and much, much more. So thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe to us and like us on all the usual social platforms. This has been Footy Prime Interview. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.